0: Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familius Publishing, father, father of nine, actually, husband, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. And today we're welcoming our guest, Kelly Bennett. Now, Kelly Bennett has been writing professionally for more than 30 years, both fiction and nonfiction. Her love of writing can be traced back to when she was two-ish and used her mother's black mascara and lipstick to write on the neighbor's car and maybe blamed it on her brother. She has been telling stories and writing ever since. Her award-winning picture books, including Not Norman, A Goldfish Story, Vampire Baby... Your Daddy Was Just Like You, and next up from Familius, The House That Ruth Built, celebrate all that goes into being a kid. Families, friends, pets, fun, and games. She holds an MFA in writing for children and young adults from Vermont College of Fine Arts and is a longtime member of the SCBWI, OWFI, and Authors Guild. A native of California, well, that's exciting. Kelly was born with salt water in her ears and the sound of the sea humming through her veins. She's a weed picker, veggie chopper, two-wheeler, and unreliable hitter based in West Hampton Beach, New York, and Mimiville, which is anywhere her grand boys may be. Today, we're discussing baseball and the history of the original Yankee Stadium and the opening game between the Yankees and Red Sox. The information shared, aligns with the Familius Habit, learn together, and play together. You can learn more about the Familius 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on Familius.com. Well, Kelly, welcome. We're thrilled that you can join us today.
1: Me too. Thanks for having me, Christopher. I'm delighted, delighted to be here.
0: Now, I don't want to start this podcast off on a negative note, but I have to tell you that I have never been a Yankees fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. I grew up Rooting for Steve Garvey and Ron Say and you know the little league teams. They were always the Dodgers that I played for, and I was a third baseman and pitcher. And the Yankees a little bit like the Cowboys for me. I never feel bad when they lose. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think well, you and half of the world. I think it's funny because well, in California, was not favorite team, but this book is more about baseball and Babe Ruth and. The Yankees are the team that made baseball the phenomenon it is today. It was America's sport at the time. We're talking about the early 1900s and you might know that you're not alone because every Red Sox fan in the entire world also hates the Yankees. <laughs> I'm sort of a <laughs> it's sort of a love-hate thing. We right. love baseball, but you got to hate somebody whoever you're playing against. I guess that's the way it goes.
0: That's the truth. Well, let's just talk about baseball for a second. So, tell us why are you so interested in baseball? What's your history with baseball? Thanks. My grandfather
1: is the start of baseball in our family. His name's Joe Silva. He was in Watsonville, California, and my grandfather was born in 1898. Um, Babe Ruth was born in 1894 or 95. They're not really sure. He and Babe Ruth were contemporaries. My grandfather was a semi-pro ball player, and which means back in those days that everybody worked their day job. And then they jump in the back of the nearest pickup or on a train or in a wagon and get to a game and play baseball. And the playlist of my early life was baseball on the radio in the car or on the TV. And then fast forward from there, I played baseball. My brother played baseball. Both of my kids, my daughter played softball. My son played baseball through, he was in community college. So it was On a community college team. And I used to keep stats. I like stats are the statistics. It's who did what and calculating the odds. And that was my job. So we are a
0: baseball family. So okay, that's wonderful. The early parts of baseball becoming famous in in America. Now, baseball is this unique game. Maybe you can tell us why is it? I mean, there's there's geometry in baseball, the statistics are just beyond belief in baseball. Kind of give us an idea of why baseball has been such a fascinating sport for the American public for well over 100 years.
1: First of all, I think it's because anybody can play baseball. It's easy to get. Truthfully, all you need is a ball and a bat and you can start playing baseball. And I think that that is the reason that baseball started out as America's sport specifically because, well, back then it was sticks and and rocks or sticks and balls. In the early days, the players made their own gloves literally out of kitchen mitts or their shoe bottoms, and they made their own balls out of trees or rocks or balls of lead. So that's where it starts. But beyond that, baseball is the one game that anything can happen. Anything, that ball can go anywhere. It can be hit or it cannot be hit. So I think even though people say baseball is a really slow game, the whole time you're watching, if you're actually paying attention on the field or in the stands or in your TV, you never know what's going to happen. And it's a little bit dangerous, which we all kind of like. The idea that that ball really can hurt, maybe not on the good thing, and that can you whack it and you don't whack it. So it's anybody's game, anybody's ball game, you might say.
0: It's a really fun game, and it does have so much to do with geometry. So now, if I remember right, this April celebrates the 100-year anniversary of the original Yankee Stadium opening. Is that correct?
1: Correct. April 18th, 1923 was the opening day game. And in that game, the Yankees played the Red Sox. Now, what's significant about that is the whole reason they say they call it the house that Ruth built because Babe Ruth is the player that started hitting home runs. Before Babe Ruth, and this is that people will hear about the dead ball era. And forgive me for explaining just a little bit. but. It used to be that baseball, let's think back, let's think back to the mid-1860s, there were no parameters for the field and every ball, you could just keep pitching the ball until the guy hit it. It was a pretty slow game. And as I said, because the balls were made of like rocks or lead or parts of chairs, how fast or how far or how symmetrical they were, the ball might go anywhere. So the games were more about just getting on base, just hit the ball, hit it anywhere because the game was really played in the field to get those players around the bases, which can make for really boring baseball if you're in the stands. But what happened was Babe Ruth clearly did not learn those rules when he was in the orphanage. So he would get out there and he would just wallop that ball as hard as he could What happened was people started hearing about Babe Ruth hitting, and they started coming to the games just to see if he would hit it. And even when he struck out, they loved it because he put so much into it that he'd spin around beyond. He was a total ham. So it was more about the showmanship. And because of that, the stadium was built. He drew all by himself, triple and five times and 10 times the fans that any other stadium, including the arch rivals, then New York Giants were drawing. So many that they, that the Rupert, the owners of the Yankees took a chance and said, we're going to build a stadium that will hold 70,000 people. At that time, maybe 5,000 came to a game. Wow. So the ch- just because of Babe Ruth, people came and they came.
0: So I've heard it said that uh, Michael Jordan was the Muhammad Ali of basketball and Muhammad Ali was the Babe Ruth of boxing, which makes you realize how famous Babe Ruth was. So what made him such an iconic figure that transcended time?
1: First of all, he was big. Now, it's funny because everything you read about him, people will say he was a big guy. As he was older, he got portly. But even when he started out, he was six foot two when the average man in America was about five foot seven. So to us today, six foot two, especially with basketball players that are seven feet tall, doesn't seem like a lot. But he towered over everybody on the field. His face and his hair stood out in a crowd. He had a big, wide nose, big, wide baby face, curly hair. So you didn't have to wonder. And this is back in the day when players didn't have numbers on their uniforms. So number one, you could pick Babe Ruth out of a crowd. And he made sure you could pick him out of the crowd. He loved playing to the stands. He loved joking around. He absolutely adored little kids. And even beyond that, he came from an orphanage. So if you think about it, he started playing 1914 professionally through the 27, 26, through a real impoverished time in America when people were really struggling. And here was this guy that came from an orphanage that became, because of newspapers, because of his bigger than life presence that really was. He was the Paul Bunyan of baseball. And he liked to ham it up. Loved to talk on To anybody, to everybody, they say that as... Now, back then, the players would travel on trains. Every time they had to stop for fuel or every time they stopped in a town, all the people would come to see what the players looked like. In this day, there was no baseball west of St. Louis. There were no professional teams. So everybody out west got their news from the newspapers. And every time that train would stop, he'd be out there glad-handing, waving out the window, signing autographs. They said he would stop games and sign autographs if players came onto the field. Hmm. So he was a really personable, bigger-than-life, as cliche as that
0: sounds, player. So what made you so interested in researching this opening day game and the history behind it? And your book includes the fans, the hawkers, the details of the stadium, the players, the history, includes so much. So what fascinated you about this single opening game?
1: It's alchemy. (laughs) And And you might not like this answer. It actually started with a poem. That story, I mean, not the story, but the rhyme, this is the house that Jack built. Well, I have been writing, I took on about six years ago, a challenge to write a poem a day. Seven minutes every day, I write a poem. And I create prompts once a week with my friend Cindy Fawn, and we post the prompts on our website. The prompt for one day was take a nursery rhyme, imagine the nursery rhyme and write a poem with that as your inspiration. The one that came to mind was, this is the house that Jack built. And I already knew, knowing about baseball, that this is the house that Babe built. So in my mind, I imagined that stadium filling up gradually little by little by little filling up as we and hopefully with the anticipation that comes with the game starting with how the field is being prepped to how they come in with the food to the ticket takers and the people lining up and then building so it really started with a poem
0: hmm. i think that's a great idea that our listeners can, can if their writers can find ways to provide themselves a prompt in seven minutes a day to to spur that creativity great idea okay So Familius has these habits that we believe help families be happy. One is play together and one is learn together. And your book falls within those. Can you share with us how you think a family could benefit from and how they could use the house that Ruth built to play and learn besides just reading the story?
1: Thanks. And thanks for asking. I will say that, first of all, for people who are listening and you're not seeing the book or holding it in your hand yet, you will, I hope. There are sidebars along with this lyrical text that's very simple and easy. And Suzanne Crovalli's phenomenal illustrations that are true to life. There are sidebars that have the facts of baseball. Historically, it's you can bring together your intergenerationality because kids today have no idea what the world was like 100 years ago. I don't thank you very much know what it was like. There were no cars. There were no bicycles until the end of the 1800s. There was no radio, no television, no internet. So you can pull if you have the older people around you. First of all, as a family, it's a fabulous conversation starter. You know, what was it like back then? Think about a world without those things. So on the scientific level and on the family level and family history, you can go there. The game of baseball, as we were talking about, is all about geometry and math. With your little kids, while you're watching a game on TV, it's not just about the game. You can say, count. How many times has he swung the ball? Is that a ball? Is it a strike? How many players have come up? If you get to an older child, you can calculate the batting average, calculate the sluggers, calculate how many times they've struck out. The stats are all published. So we as a family can watch the game and talk about what's going on. Geometry. If the batter stands with his feet here and the ball comes from here, draw a line. Where might that ball go? What are the chances of getting a home run? So that is like the blah, blah, blah learning part of it that can go beyond, hopefully, any game. Um, You can look in the newspaper and see the stats of players. You can find out. But on another level, let's just talk about playing ball. It It's not about your gender. It's not about your physicality. It's about anybody can playing actual catch, starting with your toddler. It's an interactive family game. For me, I play catch. You can start with a nerf ball. Start with a wiffle ball. It's not about being good at it, but it is about being out there spending time with your family, spending time at a ball field. You want to watch TV. Watch on TV, but you also have all your neighborhood games. You have little league games. You have the high school games. If you're lucky, you have a college or maybe a professional team. Baseball is an easy sport to watch. It includes food, usually. So, you know, you get popcorn, get a little soda pop, raise a pennant, sunny afternoon. Anyway, I know I sound like a commercial for baseball, but it is the family game. Very inexpensive to play. A lot of other games. Football is very controversial right now. I love football, but you do, you need a ball that's a certain shape. You need a field. There's The plays are really much more set. Basketball, you need a hoop. Baseball, all you need is two people or one person. Throw it up in the air. Play
0: catch. This is true. You know, my family has enjoyed for years just going out in the front yard, playing catch. I love playing catch with my daughters. And playing street ball. I mean, you can field a team with just a few players and pitch and catch and hit and field. And I don't know how many baseball games we've had just in our front yard where we create imaginary bases. (laughs) And that is so fun. So families, get out there and play. Get a ball, get a bat, and field and just have a ball. Have fun doing it. Now, as we end today's podcast, I'd love for you to share at least one story that you just love about Babe Ruth? Is there something that you could share with us that you think is something we might not have heard before? Gosh,
1: you're putting me on the spot. There are a lot of them. We're trying to put them in the book, but I touched on this earlier, but let me talk about it. Babe Ruth, a lot of people think Babe Ruth was an orphan. He wasn't an orphan. However, when he was seven years old, his parents put him into a boys' school for incorrigible children, for orphans, and some put there by the state. In his case, he was put there by his family. So from the age of seven, he was living in a school with 800 boys. It's said that sometimes Babe Ruth received visits from his family, but a lot of those other kids did not receive any visits. And Babe Ruth, also in that school, it was St. Mary's Industrial School, where those boys taken off the streets were, the whole intent was for them to be taught a trade. Babe Ruth was taught to be a shirt maker. So he, it's funny, his wife, Claire, his second wife said that even when he was famous making triple and quadruple and 10 times the salary of any other baseball player, he would turn his own collars. And if you look at pictures, he was a very dapper dresser. Before that, when he was in St. Mary's, those got paid for working, making shirts. And this is before the child labor laws. He would go and at the end of the week, when he was paid for making shirts, he would take out his money and he would go and he would buy candy at the little store down the street and pass it out to all the other little kids who didn't have a job and didn't have any money. And I just kind of, it feels like that generous spirit that started there in St. Mary's and continued with that guy who one time hit a thousand autograph baseball off of the roof of a high school for a fundraiser. I mean, it's a lovely, generous man. Even with all, he was like a big kid. The world was his candy store once he became a pro baseball player.
0: Thanks for sharing. Those are so wonderful stories. Now, for our listeners, The House That Ruth Built comes out April 2023, the 100-year anniversary of the first game played between the Red Sox and the Yankees on April 1923 right? (laughs) (laughs) So good. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Kelly. Now, where can our guests find you online?
1: Love it. Please come and visit. My website is kellybennett.com. I'm going to talk about my website for a moment because you can find all sorts of great activities about the house that Ruth built on my website. Puzzles, games, math quizzes, some of the things we've talked about today, how you can involve your kids with baseball. So go ahead and click onto my website. It's kellybennett.com. And then also I'm on Facebook at Kelly Bennett Books, Instagram, Kelly Bennett Books, Pinterest, Kelly Bennett Books. Come and visit me. And also the Familius website. I'm really excited about this book.
0: Oh, we are too. Thank you so much. Well, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you choose a book from Familius. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place.